Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. We especially love the empowered part here at Star Style. We want you to do it with style. Hello, power partners. This is our informational playground of Star Style, Be the Star You Are, coming to you from Be the Star You Are charity. As an outreach program, I'm your host, Cynthia Bryan, and I do hope that you have fun every hour that you are with us. In today's show, we're going to be talking about smile secrets and how smiles truly brighten your day, gives your face value, the importance of gratitude and giving thanks, and then finally, how to talk to your kids when tragedy or scary things happen. How much do you explain to them? You want to keep them healthy and share what needs to be shared, but you know, leave out some of the details. So all of that coming right up right here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. The Miracle Moment is brought to you by be the star you are which will be at the Moraga Fair next Saturday May 13th the day before Mother's Day you can still get involved go to be the star you are.org and thank you to Michael Verbrugge for being our sponsor this is from Albert Einstein logic will get you from A to Z but imagination will get you everywhere and I've always loved that because I know people, you know, as kids, you daydream and you used to get in trouble for daydreaming. And it turns out that the kids that were daydreaming the most are the ones that went on to do the best things. Well, uh, happy Cinco de Mayo, by the way. It's coming up in a couple of days. If you celebrate it, we're going to celebrate a Seis de Mayo. I like to celebrate everything, no matter what nationality. I think it's just important to celebrate being alive because life is very short. Now, the power of a smile. One of my colleagues, Karen Kitchell, wrote a very nice uh, piece on smiles. And so I wanted to read part of what she said, and then I'm going to tell you about the gift of hope and how the smile really, really relates to me. So the power of a smile has been documented by activists, singers, and authors since time immemorial. When we feel great, a smile comes naturally. It's an outward sign of joy, of happiness, appreciation, amusement, excitement, and contentment. Now, what scientists have found is that smiling on purpose actually helps 
people feel better. And I've talked about this before on shows, how, you know, even if you're having a bad day, if you put a smile on your face, it changed the chemistry in your body and you actually start to feel better. And I've had days where I've walked down the street in San Francisco and just smiled at a homeless person or somebody who seemed despondent. And it was unbelievable how they reacted. It just made their day. And so many people have said, thank you so much for your smile. So Smile on purpose really does change your brain chemistry. It can be a big help to people who are dealing with depression and anxiety. And in one study, researchers discovered that people who intentionally smiled ended up feeling happy more often. And I know I have a feeling for me, I smile a lot. So does Heather Brittany. If you ever see anything with Heather Brittany, she was at Stagecoat this past weekend and ended up in the news because of her big smile and her American outfit. But, you know, it's interesting. I feel happy, but maybe it's because I smile all the time. Now, there was an interesting article in Forbes magazine called The Untapped Power of Smiling. It was written by Ron Gutman. He's the CEO of HealthTap. The study examined the smiles of students in an old yearbook and then measured their well-being and success throughout their lives. I think that's kind of interesting. And by measuring the smiles in the photographs, the researchers were able to predict how fulfilling and how long-lasting their marriages would be, how highly they would score on standardized tests of well-being, and how they would score in general happiness, and how inspiring they would be to others. The widest smilers consistently ranked highest in all of the above. Now, in another very surprising research project that was done by Wayne State University, they examined the baseball card photos of major league players in 1952. Now, that's really, that goes back a ways. The study found that the span of a player's smile could actually predict the span of his life. Now, I don't know how they did that. 1952. So let's see, what would that make people? 65, right? You'd be 65 if you were born in 52. So players who didn't smile in their pictures, they lived an average of 72.9 years, while smiles with while players with beaming smiles lived an average of 79.9 years. Now, then there's 3D ultrasound technology that shows that developing babies appear to smile in the womb. And after they're born, babies continue to smile, mostly in their sleep. And even blind babies smile in response to the sound of the human voice. So a smile is one of the most basic uniform expressions of all humans. Smiles have the same meaning in all cultures, and more than 30% of us smile more than 20 times a day, and less than 14% of us smile less than five times a day. So that says that most of us are pretty happy or smiling. Now, children, listen to this. Children are said to smile as many as 400 times a day. Boy, that beats the 20 times, doesn't it? So have you ever wondered why being around children who smile frequently make you smile more often? Well, maybe that was just gave us a little tip. If kids are smiling all the time and really feeling the happiness, it can't help but rub off on you. So smiling, very it's a very, very good thing. Now, there were two studies at Uppsala University in Sweden 
that confirm that other people's smiles actually suppress the control we usually have over our facial muscles, compelling us to smile. So they showed us that it's very difficult to frown when looking at someone who's smiling. And that occurs even with strangers. Now, there was another study conducted in the, in, uh, the United Kingdom where British researchers found that one smile can provide the same level of brain stimulation as up to, listen to this, 2,000 chocolate bars. <laughs> so I don't think anybody, no matter how much you love chocolate, I don't think you're going to eat 2,000 chocolate bars in a day. One smile has the same level of brain stimulation. Don't you just want to go out and start smiling right now? So smiling has documented therapeutic effects and has been associated with reduced stress and lowered blood pressure. And if that's not enough, smiling also makes us look good in the eyes of others. I always say, you know, smiling gives your face value. A Penn State University study confirmed that when we smile, we may not only appear more likable, but we're actually perceived to be smarter and more competent. So now, whenever you want to look great and competent, reduce your stress or whenever you want to feel as good as when you've enjoyed a stack of 2,000 chocolate bars. (laughs) If you want to help yourselves and others live longer, happier, healthier lives, all you have to do is smile. And a lot of that research was gathered by Karen Kitchell, who is a volunteer with Be The Star You Are. She's really passionate about helping the homeless and the disadvantaged. She was president of Cheerful uh, Cheerful Givers, where we donated books, uh, which is a a nonprofit organization. And she's also going to be a contributor to the new book, Be the Star You Are for Millennials. So I really appreciated her doing that because smiles really mean a lot to me. And with that, I'm going to uh, read you, this is One of my favorite chapters, it's from Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference, which was an award-winning book, and you can uh, purchase it. Of course, you can get it on Amazon and stuff, but if you want an autographed, brand-new, first-edition copy, you won't get those on Amazon, uh, you can go to starstyleradio.com and click on Books, and uh, we'll have them for you. The Gift of Hope is the name of this chapter, and it's all about my smile. So my smile has always been one of my best assets. I was an outgoing, happy child filled with laughter, joy, and mischief. That is, until my secondary teeth started to come in. And one by one, my permanent adult teeth started to fill my mouth, but my 20 baby teeth showed no inclination to leave. My smile was starting to look like a shark filled with rows and rows of teeth, and I started covering my mouth with my hand whenever I talked. My parents took me to our family dentist who, one by one, pulled all my baby teeth. Now, talk about traumatic. To have 20 of your teeth pulled, that's traumatic. Now, most children are delighted to lose a tooth and put it under their pillow for the tooth fairy, but my baby teeth, all 20 of them, were surgically removed. I must have set some type of dental record, and understandably, I came to fear dental visits. Just the smells when I walked in the door would make me woozy, and the only way my parents could get me there was the promise that if I wasn't too sick afterward, we'd stop at Taylor's homemade hamburger stand on the way home. 
But of course, I was always too sick. (laughs) I just had to dream about Taylor's. Now, even after all my primary teeth had been removed, the damage of having so many teeth crammed in such a small space had left its mark, and my adult teeth were crooked. They were stacked like mismatched dominoes, and so my hand remained firmly over my mouth. Our orthodontist agreed that I needed costly braces more than my family could afford, but my parents realized that the ridicule I was enduring for my crooked teeth would eventually affect my self-esteem. My mother had endured the same thing growing up. She remembered her pain and embarrassment as a teenager and how hard she had worked to save enough money to fix her own crooked teeth before she and my dad were married. And she didn't want me to go through that same thing. So mom and dad had a powwow and they resolved to get me braces, no matter what sacrifices the family would have to make. And they had to make similar decisions for my sisters and brothers as the need arose over the years. Now, when they announced I would get braces, we all celebrated. A great load lifted off my shoulders. I wanted my smile back. And my dream was that one day I would go to high school with straight teeth, and I vowed I would always offer a bright smile to everyone. For months, I wore braces. And the day before my eighth grade graduation, the braces came off. So I did start high school with straight teeth. I kept my vow to smile at everyone. In fact, I won the school's Best Smile Award, and my family referred to it as the $800 smile. So whenever I was sad, disheartened, or having a bad day, my dad would say to me, come on, honey, show me that $800 smile, and that always made me laugh. And even today when I'm feeling low, I'll say it to myself because it gives me hope for a happy tomorrow. And surprise, (laughs) I uh, always believe in facing your fears. So I married a dentist, a great one, I might add, who has a close-up of my smile on his business cards. And I no longer fear dentists. I am grateful that they can offer us so much hope, some health, and some happiness, because where your teeth really are the basis for good health. Now, one of the most amazing things about hope is that people with the most right to be hopeless, like those with painful terminal diseases, are often full of hope. They no longer anticipate a positive outcome for themselves, but they keep their spirits high with their hopes for others. And even with such incredible role models, our own miseries invariably take center stage. All of us have felt hopelessness at one type or another and usually because of a loss or a potential loss. But even when bigger things can trigger despair, like incessant rain, a leaky faucet, a pimple on that important day, or the azalea that didn't bloom, we just carry on. Nature and my garden have taught me that life is a cycle of growth and hope, and the rebirth of spring follows the storms of winters, and the harvest of fall follows the sweet warmth of the summer. To everything, there is a season. Professionals can help restore our hope. There are psychiatrists, of course, but there are also plumbers for the leaky faucet and dermatologists for acne and nursery experts for your plants. Now, I guess for the rain, you better talk to God. (laughs) Turn to the qualified masters when your health, your welfare, or your personal satisfaction are in trouble. And there's no need to suffer when help is all around you. And lack of funds is no excuse. Just ask my parents. It's funny when twists and turns, life sends us that we find something that becomes great. That little girl with a mouthful of extra teeth and a wish for a beautiful smile 
grew up to be paid to smile on TV and in magazines. And I guess that is hope in action. So I just want to encourage you all to smile. You can see that smiling not only brings people hope, but it brings people joy and it raises your your happiness quotient. And it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. So if you want to get wrinkles, just frown a lot. If you want to have those wonderful happy lines, give yourself more smiles. Well, when we come back from break, we're going to be talking about the importance of gratitude and giving thanks. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And I will be back shortly. Please stay with me. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling. Well, we are back, and to me, being grateful and thankful is time for partying. The power of gratitude. If you're feeling thankful and appreciative, you can call out all the good stuff, and you'll be a whole lot happier every day. Again, my dedication is always to bring you information that will make you happy, healthy, and just improve your life. So let's talk about giving thanks. Why is it important to give thanks? Well, plain and simple, feeling grateful is just good good for us. All the research shows that counting your blessings has many, many benefits from better sleep to reduce stress and depression. It helps you connect to others, be more optimistic, and less likely to ruminate over the negative. You know, it's so important to be grateful 
because it's a season to be thankful every day. It doesn't matter when it is. But let's talk about some of the things that you can do to be grateful. You know, you might want to just take it day by day and plan on three weeks or four weeks to get everything done. But the thing about any kind of habit is doing it repetitively. So here are some tips on how you can be more grateful and change your life while you're doing it. So first of all, notice the good in others and the good in life. Gratitude isn't a one-size-fits-all. You know, it comes in a lot of different ways. And I just finished reading the book who, um, uh, by uh, Charles Causey, that's The Lion and the Lamb, and he'll be a guest in a couple of weeks. And it's about uh, the Nazis and the concentration camps. And one of the characters in the book who is in a concentration camp, and it's the beds are filled with fleas and and um, and ugh, and lice, and they're just it's just so horrible. And this one woman says, "We have to be grateful for the fleas. There's going to be some good that comes from it." And I was thinking, "Oh my God, she's too good to be true." But it turned out. Because the beds had fleas, that the German guards who were very brutal and wanted to beat everybody wouldn't come in to this sleeping area. So it was good that the fleas were there. So again, we have to find the good in even the smallest thing. Think in threes. Start off each morning by identifying three things you're grateful for. Your kids, your bed, your you know, your toes, your fingers, the fact that you can see or you can walk or that there's toast that you can eat. Try not to repeat things. Get more specific and detailed as you go. For maybe a daily gratitude practice to be really effective, you need to be kind of unique. So don't just go on autopilot. Notice things that you didn't notice before. Oh, there's more raisins in the raisin bran. The banana's ripe. You know, those kind of simple things. All right. Choose your weapon. For some, journaling about the three good things works. Others may prefer just to share them with a friend or via text or use a voice recorder on their smartphone. Those are all great ways. I mean, you might want to just, you know, Twitter it. Talk the talk. The most grateful people have learned to use language that emphasizes gifts, blessings, fortune, abundance. I mean, hence my book, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference. Because I do believe that every everything is a gift and everything is a blessing as long as we learn from it, even if it's something that's bad. Doesn't mean we're always happy about it, but we have to be grateful for it because something usually good comes. Less grateful people are preoccupied with burdens and with deprivations and with entitlements and with complaints. I mean, have you ever met that person who blames and complains to, you know, about everything? Ugh, you can't believe you had to wait so long to get a day off. What an opportunity like this free time. You know, some people just aren't grateful. So find the gratitude. Then go beyond yourself. Improve how you dish out thanks towards your loved ones and your community. Still keeping in mind that gratitude guidelines, you know, are important for you. Like have at least three things to be grateful for every day. Upgrade your thanks. And what that means is, you know, really show your express your appreciation to someone every day and try it for a week. It might be the person at the grocer, or it might be somebody at your laundromat, or it could be somebody at the bank or at the hardware store. But really 
honestly give thanks and um, let it really be powerful. And, and remember to smile when you're doing it. Then pen a letter. Write a heartfelt note to a mentor, a family member, or a good friend detailing how he or she has impacted your life in a positive way. And if possible, read it aloud in person or schedule a video chat, and that might be a really good session to to share with them. You know, people just don't write letters at all anymore. Everything is email, and although that can be nice, Sometimes a handwritten note is really, really appreciated. Be of service. Most people end up feeling extra grateful for their own blessings when they give back in some way. I know for me that being part of Be The Star You Are and organizing events and working with the volunteers and producing the radio shows and uh, donating books and getting them distributed and working with the authors and all the things that we do with the shelters to help improve literacy for women, families, and youth, it gives me great joy. And I think all of the volunteers get the same amount of joy out of it as well. So be of service. You'd be shocked at how great you feel when you serve others. Again, the paradox of life, the more you serve others, the more you serve yourself. Then think outside the box. Now, it's all about seeing good fortune everywhere. Look for unexpected heroes. Don't journal just about people you've helped but also about those that you've seen, uh, you know, in the newspaper or about ones that have helped your loved ones. And make your list of three good things again, but call out these extra uh, harbingers of joy. I mean, this is, these are really good things that have happened. Look for that silver lining. Look for the good things. It's so hard to open the newspaper or to turn on the news these days because if it bleeds, it leads. And so it's all the negative stuff that we see. And it's horrendous. We hate it. Uh, But somehow we're addicted to watching it. But look for the good. You know, don't maybe turn off the news and just decide you are not going to, to watch that. But be grateful that people are there and they're reporting it. And then take all this gratitude to the office. You know, the workplace is one of those places that gratitude is lacking the most. Everybody's working really hard. They're doing their job and everyone is underappreciated. So don't be surprised if the good vibes come back to you because gratitude often has a boomerang effect. And I have always felt that, that gratitude, you know, is something that, I don't know. It just, it makes me feel good when I'm grateful. And I know I have so much to be grateful for. So, you know, we think about the month of Thanksgiving as, I mean, the month of November as being the month of gratitude or Thanksgiving. And it is true. I think we, you know, up the ante then and we're much more uh, aware and cognizant of being appreciative and all that. But in reality, We really need to make every day Thanksgiving because it really matters. You know, be grateful of just all those small things, the memory of images, of smells, of experiences that define your daily, uh, you know, your daily life. Um, You know, the food you eat, the things that you drink, the table, the way it's set, the way your house is decorated, taking a walk, going to the park, you know, whatever your association is with gratitude. It's probably focusing on on giving thanks in a very, very personal way. And if you're having a group of people, like 
we're going to have a fiesta this Saturday. We're calling it a seis, a seis de Mayo fiesta. So, you know, there'll be a dozen or more people gathered around our patio table. Hopefully the, it's not too hot and hopefully it doesn't rain. But what about going around the table and do like you do at Thanksgiving and just let people know how much you care about them. Say something nice. It really could change attitudes. It could help people who are having a hard week or a hard day or dealing with illness or or other stresses. And, you know, everybody does. Nobody gets out of this life without some of that. So we all have so many things. But just being grateful can really change our lives. A leading expert in the field of gratitude, his name is Robert Emmons, defines gratitude as an affirmation of goodness. We affirm that there are good things in the world, gifts and benefits, whether tangible or intangible, that we have received, and we recognize that the sources of this goodness are outside of ourselves. Now, these outside sources can vary from other people, even from nature, or even they can be a higher power. And placing focus outside ourselves allows us to pay attention to what we have rather than what we lack. Remember what I was saying earlier? It's like pay attention to all the things that you already have. Now, consistently, studies are showing that finding looking for the good results is, makes you happier, healthier, and gives you more life satisfaction. One study had a control group write down five positive things each day that participants felt more optimistic about in their lives. And then they also exercised more, and they had fewer visits to the doctors. And it's interesting. They did better in life compared to a focus group who focused on sources of aggravation. The focus group of aggravation felt more stressed. They felt like they had been manipulated. They felt at a loss. And guess what happens when we start feeling more positive? It leads to more positivity. Additional benefits of developing an attitude of gratitude include a stronger immune system and lower blood pressure, higher levels of positive emotions, which help contribute to more joy, optimism, and happiness. It gives more generosity and compassion towards others, less loneliness and isolation, improved relationships, better sleep, and less bodily aches and pains. So how are you going to start? I want to just leave you with these few tips. You could keep that gratitude journal. You can pay it forward by helping somebody to feel good. Just say thank you more often. That's pretty easy. Focus on what you've accomplished in addition to what is left on your to-do list, but be happy for what you did. And be appreciated, uh, really appreciative for your partners in life, whether that is, you know, somebody, a girlfriend, boyfriend, um, a, a, a business partner, a marriage partner, whatever. We're all going to have dark moments, and it may be hard to find something to be grateful for. But in any case, being grateful will help you breathe longer and live longer. So shift your power to positive awareness of gratitude. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about how to talk to your kids when tragic events happen, even if it's on the news or in the family. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Business Bites. 
Here's Cynthia Bryan. Successful decision makers realize victory is only achieved by strengthening your natural instincts. Consider the following tactics. Focus on solutions, explore alternatives, clear your mind, listen to your heart, breathe, go into action, be proactive, distinguish between decisions and outcomes because you have control of your outcomes uh, and of your actions, but not always the ultimate results. If you focus on preparing for the worst case scenario rather than daring to see all the possibilities, you're going to gravitate towards being reactive instead of proactive. Trust your decisions and your gut. Develop your intuitive sense. It's similar to learning any new skill. The more you practice, the more proficient you'll become. And your success is ultimately about the action you take based on how well you listen to your gut. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your profits into passions. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR, 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are, the star you the annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, I hope that you are smiling and feeling grateful and having a wonderful day, this beautiful May day that uh, I love the month of May, my very, very favorite month. So in this uh, segment, we are going to talk about how do you talk with your kids about tragic events. You are listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and my name is Cynthia Bryan, and I am your host and personal growth coach. And this program is coming to you live on the Voice American Network. Uh, it is brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity as an uh, outreach program to increase literacy and positive media messages. So for more information about Be The Star You Are, please visit bethestarur.org. So when tragic events occur that hit close to home, how much do you actually tell your kids? Now, everybody wants to be able to protect their children, but we also want to be honest with our kids and, you know, we want to be honest within their developmental age of understanding. Sometimes we get too verbose and we try to tell them way too much stuff and 
you know, it's way over their age level. And so it's not helpful to them. So preschool children, they have a very limited concept of permanence. For example, if someone dies, they may believe death is temporary or reversible. You know, they watch cartoons and the rabbit gets runs over, but it's only flattened and the next thing you know, it comes back. They don't really have a sense of time either. An older child may understand these issues, and parents should provide their children with honest information that's not too overwhelming, and it's best to provide basic and honest information that is always developmentally appropriate. And sometimes you may need some help with this. You may have to reach out to a professional, maybe to your um, pediatrician or to some other expert to help you if you are having something that's really devastating, a death in the family, a close member of the family, or, you know, when you see something really tragic on on the television or hear it on the news and your kids are, are interested, you may have to get some advice on how to deal with it. So how many details should you share about a tragedy or a crime? Now, children do know that bad things can happen. And we don't want to avoid talking about these events entirely because then we're just sheltering them. But we also don't need to go into a lot of detail about the circumstances. If there is a crime that's involving the death of a child, I don't think I would tell a preschool child about any of the specific details. But you could let them know that a child has died. Um, and the more that they will understand, you know, they'll, they'll understand it in general that a child has died, but you don't really want to tell them that it was involving a crime because you're going to inbreed too much fear. Despite the comprehension of a tragic incident, the kids that little, they're not going to have the coping skills to manage confusing feelings. And no matter what the age, when talking about a crime which has occurred, parents should focus on their child's feeling. Their child could be feeling anxiety, sadness, or they could be really scared. And remember, just because an incident is distressing, it doesn't mean the child will experience distress. It's okay for a tragic event to occur and for a young child to appear unfazed. I mean, it's not necessary... It's not necessarily an indication of suppressing feelings. They may just not understand how a traumatic event it is and how it's going to impact their lives. And therefore, they don't have a template for how to respond or what this will mean in the future. And, you know, an example that I can give you of that is this past year, uh, my mother died and it was totally unexpected. She was incredibly healthy. And it was very, very sad. And she has um, 11 great grandkids. And the littlest one was only one, but or less, a little younger than one, actually. And, they, and there's several that were like three and under. And they, you know, they adored her, adored her. And they were always asking about Nani. And they always wanted to go see Nani. And, you know, and Nani's flowers and Nani's cooking and Nani's everything. And then when Nani died, they just wanted to know when Nani was coming back. And even now, a few months later, they still haven't really grasped that she's gone, gone. They just think that she's away and they miss her a lot. But a lot of times they'll, they'll point up to the sky and they'll say, now when is God going to give us back our Nani? 
So you just have to kind of let the kids do their, you know, do their thing because they're not going to really understand. They're not, may, they may not cry and act out like we would as an adult. Now, should parents prepare before having these conversations with children? As with any important conversation, parents should rehearse what they're going to say to their child. And if you are uh, married or you have a partner, it's really best that you discuss how you're going to deal with this together so that you're both on the same page about it. It's important for parents to recognize how they personally are feeling about an event so they don't project their own anxiety and their own fears and their own sadness onto their children. And you want to be really clear and talk to the kids about the ways that they can, you know, stay safe and and feel okay. Talk about how to stay, stay safe physically and validate their feelings. You know, let's just say, um, talking about that child again, you could say, I know you're feeling really scared that something bad may happen to you, but here's how we're going to keep you safe. You know, that usually helps. Kids are always afraid if their parents aren't going to be around and aren't going to keep them safe. Now, identify what questions may be most difficult to answer so that you're not stumped. Parents should allow their children to share their negative or scary feelings or worries. And the parent and child can troubleshoot these fears together. So instead of saying, you know, don't talk about it, don't think about it, you know, mommy's not going to let anything happen to you, talk about it and discuss it and ask how the child feels and really get to the bottom of what they are thinking, feeling, how they might be acting out in you know, tell me what you're worried about so that we can really figure this out. We can do something together. We're going to keep you safe, you know, because if somebody dies, one of a child's worst fears is that mommy or daddy are going to die too. And then they're going to be left alone and they don't know what's going to happen to them. And they say things like that. Well, are you going to die? What about, you know, what about you? You're never going to die. And that's a real, really, you know, it's a very scary thing. So what kind of impact do social media and other media have on children when tragic events occur? Well, older kids are often on their smartphones all the time, as we all know. And they're going to gather the information very easily and probably far before their parents do. So it's definitely better when information about tragic events comes from parents, especially if it's, it's something personal rather than social media sources, but for older kids, social media sources is probably going to be the way they're going to get the information about big events like 9-11, you know, when that happened, or some kind of bombing somewhere, or, um, you know, a terrorist attack, or a fire, or a flood, that's probably where they're going to get it. But by talking about tragic events with your children, Parents can provide a space for their children to talk about their feelings. And younger kids, hopefully you're not just sitting them in front of the TV and hoping that that's going to be the babysitter. That is never a good thing. So hopefully that's, you know, that is not what you're doing. Now, how do parents communicate information about tragedies, especially involving kids, without making their own kids afraid for themselves? Here's the important thing for parents to learn how to help their children understand, and that is you have to help your kids learn about their own intuition 
and their own ability to trust in themselves. We don't want our kids to be scared, but we also want kids to know how to feel comfortable and how they feel when they're uncomfortable, especially when we're talking about stranger danger. Most parents have a a safe word or a password or something, a word that they use that in case somebody comes up to the child and says, hey, your mommy said, let me take you home. The child is supposed to say, well, what's the safe word or what's my password? And the person doesn't have it. The kids are to run and scream and do all of that. So we want to help the kids be empowered to be safe on their own, especially in those situations. But again, kids are going to learn about other kids that were kidnapped or unfortunately kids that were were killed or molested. And we have to help our kids learn how to trust their gut instinct, just like I was talking about in the business bite. It's so important to trust your gut. Now, what's interesting about kids uh, is that children really surprise us with their intuitive state. It's difficult because we can't promise, you know, it's important. We can never promise. You can't guarantee that bad things won't happen. But we can help our kids understand who they can turn to if they're feeling frightened, if they're feeling overwhelmed, if they're feeling lonely, or if they're feeling confused. And the last thing we want to do is to avoid conversations that are going to make our kids more fearful. Again, listen more than you talk. Really listen to what your kids are saying to you. Listen to what they're asking you. And, you know, uh, stay again, very important to stay within their age range. We can protect them the best by giving them the skills to communicate their concerns, their feelings, their fears. And teach them that there are some trusting adults who will listen. And then most importantly is as we are parents is just to remember that being a parent doesn't mean that we're perfect. And we've got to let our kids know that we do our best. We respond with love and empathy and compassion. And we want to listen to them. But all we can do is strive for excellence. We are not perfect and you know I think about when I talk about how to talk to kids I always think about the example when your child especially when a preschooler for the very first time you know asks you where do babies come from and you start to go into this very detailed um, explanation that is physically above their pay grade and they'll look at you with their eyes and they're like oh I just thought they you know oh I just wanted to know how they get home from the hospital or something like that it's just really fun funny so again just be really cognizant of the age of your children and definitely don't keep them in the dark because in this day and age they're going to find out Uh, somehow, somewhere, and it's always better if you can tell them first. That's the best way to protect our kids is to have an open communication. Now, in that whole um, realm of gratitude, I just wanted to uh, read to you a little bit of something about uh, gratitude because I, this was, um, this, this was something that happened to us actually at Thanksgiving, but it, it speaks to gratitude. 
It was the day before Thanksgiving, and a big fat turkey was strutting around our barnyard, gobbling up the feed we threw to her. Isn't Gracias lucky that she lives with us? Now, Gracias was the name of our uh, turkey. Otherwise, she would be somebody's Thanksgiving dinner. Well, Gracias was our beautiful bronze turkey that we had raised from a baby, and she adored us, and we adored her. And all of our animals were lucky because they came to us as, um, as abused or abandoned, and we gave them good homes. And our animals are to play with, not to eat, is what our kids said. Well, when the entire menagerie was fed, we all climbed into the car and we drove to the supermarket to buy our food for Thanksgiving dinner. Our family had a tradition of sharing the shopping and cooking for our feast, so everyone feels they contributed to the ceremony. At the supermarket, we bought a 25-pound turkey and the other ingredients we needed for our meal. And all the way home, our kids were singing and joyfully looking forward to a very special family time, except when we pulled in the driveway, we realized that something was terribly wrong. The dogs were barking crazily. People were yelling. We could hear shrieks in the barnyard at the top of the hill. We leapt from the car, ran as fast as we could, and we were stopped in our tracks because there were torn bodies of animals scattered. Some were still wreathing and moaning, and it was our neighbor's vicious dog stood in their midst. He had obviously escaped his cage. He had dug under our fences, and near his blood-spattered feet lay several chickens and our favorite mother duck. And he stared at us sullenly, and he had gracias in his mouth. We pried his teeth apart, but we were too late. But she did die in the arms of the children, and we began to sob and wail. And our hearts were broken by this tragedy. But we thought even beside the disaster, we had to give gratitude because we will always remember that we had this beautiful barnyard full of animals and how special they were to us. We learn the value of life and how quickly it can be taken away. We learn to appreciate each other and all living creatures. We felt grateful for our ability, even in the face of sadness, to forgive the neighbor's dog for doing what came naturally to him. And I should say, this neighbor doesn't live near us anywhere anymore, but the this neighbor used to keep one of those terrible collars on the dog that had spikes in it and they kept it in a cage and I think the dog was it just seemed like it was a crazy dog and I don't think it was treated nicely so the next day we went to work making our pens and our barnyard safer and sturdier we dug trenches two feet deep we filled them with cement as a footing for a chain link fence We topped it with an electric barricade, and it's been several years before we were brave enough to raise another turkey because of the lessons we learned and the actions we took on Thanksgiving. Our new turkey is going to live out his years as a barnyard pet. But So we have to be grateful for what we have. When we're grateful, we're rewarded with a sense of honor and personal strength. Say thank you for every gift you receive, positive or negative. Life may be giving you a lesson in appreciation, so learn to be grateful for everything. Gratitude exalts the heart. So just say thank you. Try saying thank you during the next hour. Say a a sincere appreciation to everyone who does anything nice for you, your family, your friends, or even the world. And you can just write one thank you note and mail it. Because the more gratitude you show in life, the more you will have to be grateful for. 
And that is definitely a truism. And now our barnyard is filled again, once again, with abandoned animals that we have taken in and we've raised. And I am just so grateful for them. And it's so obvious that they're grateful for me. They're so, I know I feed them so they run to see me. But in the evening when I lock up the barn, it's like the hens come over and they want to be stroked. And my goat just follows me everywhere. And the pig comes and rubs my leg. And I know it's very, it's very soothing and nice to know that your animals really do uh, care about you. So, again, remember, gratitude is an attitude, and it's very important that we gain it. Well, thank you very much for staying with me here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Remember that every burden bears a gift, and every challenge will bring a treasure. Every setback is just hiding a blessing. So learn to appreciate everything. For more information about Star Style, please visit starstyleradio.com. You can visit my website, cynthiabryan.com. Don't forget that the Moraga Fair is coming up. And if you would like to be a volunteer or a sponsor or be included in some way, go to bethestarur.org. We'll be having our new btsya.org website updated very soon. But in the meantime, just visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. want you to see beyond your physical being and know you are already a star that you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, but celebrate every moment of your life because you never know if today, this second, is the last breath that you're going to take. And do read a book this week. I've read you the chapters from Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Loving, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference. There's a foreword by Bernie Siegel. And I do have to say, it's all. it was also endorsed. And there's a wonderful quote on there by Dick Bowles, author of What Color Is Your Parachute? And I just want to send out a prayer to... His family, because we lost Dick Bowles recently, and he's now uh, writing books in the heavens. His parachute has flown to the heavens. So here's my gratitude to him for everything he did. He actually wrote the foreword to my book, The Business of Show Business. So um, thank you, Dick Bowles, for being the star you are. So remember that you are the greatest, you are the best, you are something wonderful to offer, you're the coolest, you don't have to adjust anything, just be you because you are the perfect person as you are. This is not a test, you've already won. So just get out of your own way and live your life. Imagine your dreams as if they exist, speak as if they exist, and act as if they already exist. And until next week when we celebrate once again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Enjoy this beautiful month of May and be here with me next Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific coming to you live on the Voice America Network. Wednesday, 4 to 5. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are.
It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.